Hello and welcome to the Gibraltar Business Podcast, where we bring you inspiring stories from local entrepreneurs and individuals leading in their fields. The Gibraltar Business Podcast is brought to you by the GFSB and is sponsored by Gibraltar International Bank, which shares our passion for all things business. I'm your host, David Ragliate, and I know I speak for the GFSB too when I say how grateful we are to the bank for their continued support and invaluable contribution to the show. Can you believe it? This is the final episode of this fourth season, and we're wrapping it up on a high note as we are joined by the new CEO of Gibraltar International Bank, Peter Horton. With nearly four decades of experience in banking and financial services, Peter brings a wealth of knowledge and expertise to his new role at the bank. He spent much of his career in senior roles across Africa, the Caribbean, the UK, and now based here in Gibraltar. With his vast knowledge and expertise, he will excel in his new role at the bank, I'm sure. I found the interview with Peter enjoyable. He comes across as down-to-earth and experienced, and his passion for banking is evident. But that's not all there is to Peter. He's also a fan of Everton FC. Okay, but we won't hold that against him. So sit back, relax, and join us for an exciting conversation with one of Gibraltar's newest leaders. So Peter, thanks a lot for your time today. Thank you, David. And good to meet you. Thank you. Um, for the benefit of our listeners, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your um, background? Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. Uh, I started my career originally with Barclays and worked for them for about 20 years in total. The first 15 years was in a variety of jobs in the UK. And I had an opportunity to actually go out to Africa with Barclays Africa. At that time, Barclays was in about 12 different countries across Africa and including a couple of Indian Ocean um, territories as well. So my first overseas role, in fact, my very first time in Africa was the day I got off the plane in Botswana and stepped onto the tarmac and and I'd arrived. So I was the risk director of the Barclays operation there for a few years uh, and then moved up to Nairobi um, where I was tasked with establishing from scratch a brand new uh, business function for Barclays which covered the whole of Africa and that was very much focused on working with the distressed corporate customers that we had in the different businesses. So I had six teams working for me uh, across six different countries and we covered Uh, the entire 12 countries of Barclays Africa at the time. Um, I then, cutting a long story very short, spent a bit of time with my own business uh, in South Africa, still very much focused in the financial services space, um, but very much focused on working with distressed businesses and, and also businesses that were seeking to bring in equity and new partners. But I found myself missing banking, so then moved back into uh, in, into into banking uh, with a subsidiary of Canadian Bank, a subsidiary of CIBC that was based in the Bahamas. So I covered Bahamas and Turks and Caicos. Interesting thing there was that was my first experience really of a smaller jurisdiction. And, you know, in many ways, that's probably part of what set me on the course for, for finding aspects of the job I found myself in now. Very appealing. So from that role, I then moved into my first CEO position, um, which was towards... Um, Around about 2011, I moved to the Maldives as the CEO of the Bank of Maldives. Uh, Bank of Maldives is the biggest bank in the Maldives, roughly 70, 74% owned by government. And we were a full service bank uh, covering retail banking, corporate banking um, across the whole uh, of the country. Then post uh, my time in the Maldives, I then took up position uh, with a bank in uh, Bermuda. Slightly different bank, it focused on a number of areas, so corporate retail banking, but also we were very much involved and we owned a subsidiary, I should say, in the 
trust and fiduciary type space uh, and also in the corporate services space. So it was very different sort of business, um, but but a very interesting and challenging business. And then after almost 17 years after the UK, I found myself back in the UK then um, running the subsidiary of a Nigerian bank. Um, well, roles reverse, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much so. So, so that was quite interesting. Very trade fo- focused bank. Um, it was it was the right time in my career to come back to the UK um, and enjoyed that time there. And then from that role, I then moved on um, because the bank actually was sold. The um, Nigerian owners decided to divest of their investment. So I led the sale process, which took quite a period of time, but I led the sale. I led then the rebranding of the bank under new ownership. Uh, and once that was all settled on, I actually then moved on and spent some time with um, a bank called Al Ryan Bank, which is the oldest and biggest Sharia bank in the UK based in Birmingham. And um, then cutting the story even shorter, I found myself out here in Gibraltar. Yeah. So I've been lucky uh, to experience about five CEO roles. Yeah. I've been very lucky to work in you know a number of really diversely different jurisdictions um, and uh, you know the experience is something that I just you know can't say enough how, how lucky I've been in my career to have that uh, whole range of experiences that those jobs have brought to me. And loads of different countries as well. So welcome, yes. welcome to Gibraltar. Thank you. It's <laughs> to be here. Peter, you mentioned that you missed banking. What was yes. it about banking that attracted you in the first place? Well, in the first place, and I'll be very honest with you, I, I'm an accidental banker. Uh, I was almost an optician changed my mind at the last minute and really was falling back. This is going back to 1984. So falling back on my options, what do I do? Oh, I'll, I'll pursue something in banking just as a fallback. Um, but actually moving into banking, I really found that it was something I enjoyed. I enjoyed a lot. Uh, and I think, you know, there's, there's, there's a couple of things that really make it appealing. Um, I think that the fact is that you are working with customers, but also there is so much variety in that. Uh, whatever job I've done in the bank, every job, and, and, and I really believe this as a leader, and I'll pass this message on to colleagues, whatever job you're doing, you are ultimately serving the customer. Um, and when you are working in a bank, really there's no two customers the same. So particularly you know, if you're working in jobs where you can work with retail and corporate customers, um, it's that real variety um, that makes it um, a very appealing and very rewarding job. And, you know, here we are now, 39 years in, mm. I'm still doing banking, I'm still enjoying banking. And, um, you know, so I, I, I think I called mm. it right. You do well from the accident, right? As an accidental podcaster, yes. <laughs> I can yeah. really relate to yeah. different kind Completely. of um, paths yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Um, coming mm. back to Gibraltar International Bank, what was it about this role in particular that appealed to you? I think the first thing that, that struck me, and, and t- to be honest, when you have been through um, a number of different, or you've worked with a number of different organisations, you, you kind of almost set out criteria that you would look to be fulfilled in, in your next role. Um, and what I really liked about Gibraltar um, International Bank was what it stood for. You know, I think if you look at the history of how it came about and the the reasons that it came to existence, which still remain a massive part of what it stands for, that really mattered to me. Um, and I, I felt, you know, uh, to have the opportunity to run a bank that, that was fulfilling such a need um, for not just the community, but the the, the, the economy itself, yeah. for the country itself, 
really, really appealed for me. And I think when the purpose is clearly defined and the purpose is clearly a very good purpose, that becomes a very rewarding job in and of itself, really. So, so that's what appealed to me. Uh, and then I think as I got more into the process of joining the bank, because um, obviously it was quite a, a long process, but it was then the people I was interacting with and what I've seen of the people and knowing that you've almost got the combination of good people doing good things for people um, and, and seeking to do good things for people. And that combination made it more appealing. And then the third leg, I would say, really why why I was drawn to the to, to, to the role was what I could see as the opportunities for this business going forward, because I think it's achieved an awful lot in its eight short years, nine years since conception, eight years of, of operating. In fact, the bank celebrated its eighth birthday Friday just gone. Um, and I think, you know, the journey isn't over. Um, there's a lot of uh, opportunity, uh, I think, that this bank can still pursue. And what I don't want in life is a job where you're just a gatekeeper or you're just, you know, caretaker. You really have got a role here where there is much more we, we can do. Uh, and there's plenty of challenge that comes with, with, with that pursuit of what we can do. And I do like a challenge in life. So I think there's great challenge here as well, but positive challenge, which is great. I think, wow, eight years, you know, I remember when uh, the bank, the news of the bank was going to be formed came out. So yes. time does fly, but the bank has achieved a lot in that time. A huge amount. Yes, absolutely. So given your, your outlook and kind of relatively fresh to the business, how do you see the bank's place in the local business community? Um, if I speak a bit generically to start with, and we can condense it down a little bit, you know, I, I'm a very, very strong believer that a bank can and does play a very important part in, in the economy, first and foremost. And if you then look at us, us more specifically, um, I think within the community, um, and particularly the business community, it's it, it's actually acting as an enabler. Um, now, whether that be simple things such as current accounts um, to, to allow the business to, to operate, whether it be accounts for the employees of the business, um, through to the lending aspect and everything in between, really. So, you know, many businesses want the ability to move cash around easily, whether it be domestically or internationally. Uh, they want to be able to put their money somewhere that's easily accessed um, and they know it's secure. Um, they need to be able to work with people in the bank who understand their business and take the time to understand their business. And I think also work with the bank where they know the bank is going to do everything it can to find the right solutions for that bank. So I think, you know, we, we can play multiple roles for the for the business community. But at the heart of it, I think it's actually accepting um, and being privileged to know that we are also part of that community. Um, and so it is that partnership um, that, that I think allows us to get the best out of our customers, but also hopefully give the best back to our customers that we can as well. Um, so that's a combination of listening. It's also a combination of of um, understanding um, and hopefully uh, in the time that we've been here we, we have achieved a lot in that regard and uh, certainly the customers I've managed to speak to so far um, you know really appreciate what we have done what we're trying to do uh, and are excited about what we might be able to do for them in the future as well that's something with the future it, yes. can you give us uh, 
an idea is, you know, because you mentioned you didn't want to be a, a gatekeeper. Yeah. Um, what are your kind of your plans for the business community or, uh, or any, any key growth opportunities that you can share with us? Probably, if I'm completely honest, probably too soon now. I have got, um, you know, we are talking about uh, where we see the next steps for the bank. Um, but I think only three months in right now, there's a fair bit more I just want to make sure I've absorbed properly. And the last thing I want to do is to sort of uh, either make promises or suggest things that don't come to pass. I'll come, uh, I'll come and meet you again yeah. in a few months. Yeah, you're, 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 and you're more than welcome to come back. Um, hopefully we'll have a better cup of coffee for you next time you're here. Um, but, but no, I, th- I, think, I think, you know, the, if I talk very high level, um, I think what is very important um, for the future it is around the ability of the bank uh, to maintain what is relatively nimble in what we've done. You know, the reality is we don't have a head office. Uh, so the reality is uh, our ability to make decisions can be much more responsive, much more instant than perhaps if we were a bigger, bigger organisation. But, but that said, you know, I think what we are seeing in the business world, and I can compare back five years, 10 years, 20 years, is a very rapid pace of change. Uh, you've got new entrants to the market. Uh, you've got new products uh, on the market. And that doesn't necessarily mean customer products, but it, it's products that banks can engage um, to deliver different services to, to the customers that we have as well. So I think I think one of the things that we need to to accept um, as part of our thinking going forward is, is this continual renewal. You know, I, I, I luckily in my long career, I can compare and contrast at times and, Change was very slow at the start of my career. What we did this year was the same as last year, the same as the year before. Whereas I think if you look at the financial services sector today, and even just the changes that we've seen, whether it be Apple Pay, something probably we didn't imagine 10 years ago, we'd have the ability to pay with our phone so easily. And, And so I think one of the things that's very important going forward is that we've got to be in a position that we can be highly nimble about how we engage with technology, and therefore, how nimble we then become in terms of bringing to our customers what they expect. Uh, I think because there are so many players and there are so many organizations now bringing new products, exciting products, probably the days of having just a few competitors are long gone. But the days of customers' expectations being radically different to what they used to be. Once upon a time, the customer would take what you had. It was take it or leave it type, whereas now you can't have that. So, so that, that's something that I think is, is a huge opportunity for us. Um, and it's a very exciting opportunity uh, to be really embracing and establishing ourselves as an organisation that can nimbly move to the new technologies and new opportunities that those bring um, for us on a go-forward basis. I bet just the challenge of keeping up with technology trends is, is enormous, right, for a small bank? Yeah, yeah, huge. I, even for a big bank, to be quite honest. In fact many ways for a big bank it's even tougher you know and it's not just technology as it pertains to delivering a customer solution or a customer proposition it's the technology that allows you to do all of the back office stuff more easily the processing the analysis uh, the reporting Um, regulation maybe (laughs) regulation um you know as much as we've seen regulations grow over the last 10 20 years the pace of companies bringing products to to market that allows banks to keep abreast of that and do it even more efficiently is also 
um, quite significant, whether it be uh, you know technology to support uh, AML, whether it be technology support re- reporting to the regulator, whether it be technology that just helps you manage your balance sheet more efficiently. There's a whole range there of, of things. And some of those things are things that we have already deployed in the bank. Uh, and they do allow you to, um, I think, ultimately make the end experience for the customer and the internal experience for our internal stakeholders far better. Uh, you know, opening a bank account has challenges today that it didn't used to have. And the challenges are absolutely right and proper. But the more we can use technology to make the process one with less friction, the, the better, really. The other area of technology that we haven't touched on, but it's it's a huge one, is just the whole area of uh, cyber uh, and particularly the, the threats that we have. And you may be aware some years ago there, there were some challenges uh, within the market and we responded with very substantial investments there to protect our customers and keep them safe. And all of those areas of technology are ones that the bank is not shy in investing in, continues to invest in, continues to bring in partners when we need to bring partners to make sure that you know we're doing the absolute best we can to have systems that deliver for our customers, but also systems that keep the bank and our customers safe as well. Peter, I see we're talking about some of the challenges that are coming from competition, maybe uh, technology. Regulation, cyber, all all of it. There's a, there's a lot, and not to carry on the down the downward or the downer yeah. thread, but the recent financial turmoil has impacted um, banking industry. How how does that play out here in in Jib? It's a good question. I, I think there's elements that we probably haven't seen fully how it will play out. You know, I, I think there's probably two aspects we could touch on. What one is the financial turmoil um, and, and as, as it's then fed through to uh, higher interest rates. The second is actually, and it is very closely related to that, is the challenges that certain banks have seen, particularly in the States, with some banks actually having been acquired by other banks on almost rescue missions. I think the issue of interest rates for a lot of banks, that has seen um, quite positive impact in terms of their profit. But it's also created quite worrying impacts for their customers in terms of higher interest rates mean higher costs for customers to pay. We have a bit of a balance there. I mean, one balance is clearly you do see some increase on what we're earning from uh, from lending. But as, as you're aware, you know, we did try to bring in um, a fixed rate mortgage product, which our desire there was to give our customers some certainty uh, so that they, they didn't worry about, well, how far will it will it go? What we have tried to do as well as some of the deposit products is to pay our customers a little bit more. So we are very mindful of trying to keep that balanced. Um, and, and I think, you know, as much as you know, we could probably have a long chat about where interest rates will head. But I, I think it's highly anticipated that the Bank of England will probably push interest rates up another quarter of a percent this month. But there are enough signs to suggest that probably is the peak. And there are also plenty of suggestions to, to, to say that rates will come back down. So I think the way we've managed it in the, the period of probably 12, 18 months is as well as it can be. And I think we've managed it in a way that hasn't exposed the bank and also hopefully in a way where we've limited the impact on our customers as much as we can. Obviously, we don't operate in a, in a vacuum, so we have to be responding to what's happening in the market. But I think we've tried to manage that as well as we can. The issue of, of uh, the banks who've had challenges, I think a lot of their challenges were very structural ones. So they either had aspects of business they'd written historically 
or they'd put their liquidity into asset classes, which then became quite vulnerable as, mm-hmm. as we saw interest rates moving. Um, I think the, the nice thing about where we find ourselves is that we've always operated very conservatively. So the challenges that we've seen for those banks are not challenges that we see in this bank at all. The reality is we keep an eye on things, but I think we, in terms of both our capital and our liquidity, have managed it very, very conservatively. How, and back to your question, how all of those things come together to affect the market, two things you'll look at is any contagion effect. If we are working with other banks, are they impacted or is there any knock-on impact from the challenges that we're seeing with banks who are struggling? I can say hand on heart, we look very closely at all our relationships, as all our relationships probably look at us, and we satisfy ourselves that, you know, as far as possible, back to this conservative approach that I mentioned, we've been conservative and the people that we work with, the banks that we work with are conservatives as well. So on the direct contagion effect, I think it's minimal. I think from the broader contagion effect, that then feeds into confidence, And what's confidence about it's, well, how well is the bank run? How safe is the bank run? And I think on both of those, you know, we can put ourselves in a very good uh, position on those things as well. So we have to be realists. We have to say that there are those challenges in the marketplace. But actually, we we can say that our approach has been the right approach and our our approach continues to be the right approach. And we just keep our eyes on things and see where they where they go or, or don't go. But I think at the moment, there's certainly no reason for anyone to be concerned about Gibraltar International Bank. It's set itself up properly. Um, and we do look at any other fallouts from the economic pressures that we're seeing. Um, but I'm hoping that we are seeing some peak in that, particularly if interest rates do start to come down and inflation starts to come down. The, the two little hand in hand. Inflation is probably the first one to deal with. And then once that's turning, that's when we're interest rates fall. Yeah, it does seem, you know, that there's, there's just a lot of turmoil globally right yes. now. Yeah. Are you seeing any changes in, in, in the behaviour from your customers, clients? Is there a shift? Probably the most notable shift um, is in terms of the numbers of customers wanting to, to borrow. You know, a lot of people will be put off by the higher interest rates. A lot of people will be put off by uncertainty in the market. So I think a certainty begins to come back and hopefully as interest rates turn, we'll see that come back. But I think the reactions that you've seen have been entirely expected and fully understood by us that that, that will be the impact. It's not to say things have dried up and, and far from that. that. That's one area that we have seen some degree of, of reaction. I think the other area that is less directly visible in terms of the numbers, but more visible in the behaviours is for those customers who are really struggling with the cost of living crisis. And so there will be some aspects of activity there that we see and that we're aware of. We've tried to do things where we can to assist in that. It's a very difficult one. We're really, really mindful of it. And certainly where any customers are experiencing difficulty, perhaps they've got um, borrowing with us, uh, we'll always work very closely with them to try and assist them through that. But you know, we're acutely aware of the pressures that the cost of living crisis is bringing directly to a number of people. But also then there's a knock-on effect. So we you know as members of the, the business community here, we know that perhaps people's monthly spend, weekly spend, daily spend, whether it be in restaurants, whether it be just in supermarkets, has reduced as well. So you know it knocks on across everybody. And that, that shift in behaviour is something that, as I say, the numbers aren't showing it. But we are fully aware of it because we're members of the community and we do try to understand what our customers are feeling. As I say, help where we can. 
So Peter, three months in, and based on our chat just so far, there's so much for you to do. <laughs> yes. Uh, so what's your vision for the bank? Uh, where do you want to take it? As I said before, I, 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 I think it's too soon for me to say specifically where I want to take it. But where I do want to be is, as I think, you know, we have got a bank today that um, I think everybody can be very proud of. In a very short period of time, this bank was up and running, and it's really substantially delivered on it on its vision of providing banking for the community of Gibraltar and a wide range of services with quite a strong focus on on, on service so, so we've achieved that what I would like to think you know in terms of the next phase of our journey it has to start with being a bank that everybody can be proud of you know I think there is something special when you ask me why I came here it is because of that special thing and that must always be part of us that's that's part of our DNA and we have to keep that. So I want this to be a, a bank that's special. I want it to be a bank that is actually seen by its peers and perhaps seen by banks outside this country as, as something special. Within all of that, it's about delivering. It's about making sure that where we are is that we're always the preferred uh, or the go-to mm. bank for our customers. I think it's a bank where we have a workforce who continue to be proud to work for Gibraltar International Bank and hopefully a long queue of people who want to come and work here as well because that tells me a lot. And I think, you know, a, a bank that we can perhaps have a follow-up interview maybe in three years' time where we can say, gosh, did we really do all that in the last three years? Yes, we'll do it. We'll definitely yeah. do it for the show. <laughs> the, invite's, the invite's definitely on. Um, so, so, no, I think, you know, it, it is all about... There's a lot of pride about this bank. There's a lot of pride inside it and there's a lot of pride outside and, and I, I really want that to be something um, that, that we build on and we maintain. And out of that, that can deliver a lot of good things. We've achieved a lot in eight years. What we can achieve in the next eight, um, if we achieve half of that, will be something special. But as long as we retain that pride in what we're doing and passion for what we're doing, uh, we can't ask much more than that. Really. So, Peter, exciting times ahead, right? Yes. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much, David. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you and I look forward to you coming back in a few months and a few years. <laughs> Thank you. We'll do it. And that's a wrap for this episode and this season of the Gibraltar Business Podcast. Thank you to my guest, Peter Horton, for your flexibility in meeting me after hours and for the invite to come back again in the future. Good luck with the new role. As well as thanking our sponsors at Gibraltar International Bank, I'd like to thank everyone who contributes to the project and keeps the podcast going from strength to strength. That's Matthew for the sound, Vincent for lots of the marketing and all the stuff behind the scenes, Yu Hung, the team at GFSB. Thank you also to you, the listener, for tuning in. It would literally not be possible without you so thank you i hope you found this season and this episode informative and engaging if you want to contact the show do so on any of our social channels and i can take feedback good or bad the gibraltar business podcast i'm happy to say will return for a new season just after the summer in the meantime be sure to catch up on any episodes you may have missed by going back on your favorite streaming platform until then it's a goodbye from me remember keep striving for success and stay focused on your goals see you very very soon